Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Today, we have an exciting podcast. As always, I have my trusted co-host, Connor, here with me. How you doing, man? Doing awesome, dude. Doing awesome. How are you? You know, I'm doing good. It is crazy busy right now. All good things. Well, not all good things. I mean, we're crazy busy looking at projects, and the Dow is crashing as we speak. Coronavirus is killing everyone in the world. But self-storage is self-storage recession-proof. It's recession-proof. It's true. It cannot fail. It's impossible. <laughs> impossible. I'm sorry. I just got to throw that in there. <laughs> he knows that's a trigger word for me. So, uh, but, I mean, yeah, maybe we could just hit on that real quick. That's a good idea. Yeah. Since, since we're talking about it, and I, I'm sure a lot of people are seeing this today. So before we, we really get into, uh, into that, because it, we may have to break this up into two parts, we're going to be talking about managing the facility and the employees and keeping accountability in track, which is actually really important, particularly when things may not be going good in the economy or your way. So I know a lot of people, we, we, we just had the worst close for the stock stock market since uh, 1987, and uh, we are on track for one of the worst bear markets ever. And Europe just had their worst close in history ever. So it has just been a massive slaughter on Wall Street. And, you know, it, it's amazing how fast things turn. Three weeks ago, there is not a chance that anybody thought that they were going to be losing tons of money out of the retirement. Should They're, have been getting ready to short sell. Dude. Yeah, exactly. No <laughs> kidding. It's spun like that. And a lot of people are nervous and scared. Uh, they're worried about the coronavirus. And the United States government just announced a $1.2 trillion bailout or supplement. I don't know. We haven't seen the exact details of it, but the number is $1.2 trillion stimulus. That's Epic. I mean, <laughs> that's some uh, cash, dude. And uh, after they announced it, the stock market fell further. So, people right now watching the screens and seeing on Facebook, and there's huge debate whether it's overblown or not blown. I think since you're listening to the podcast, I'll give you my two cents here real quick. I think the ef- the effect of the virus seems to be overblown, but the effect of the fear in the market is real. I'm not afraid of the coronavirus. Like I'm not afraid of getting it. That doesn't bother me. I don't think it's going to kill me, anything else like that. But I am afraid of the panic we're seeing because it's so reminiscent of 2008, although it's totally different, which is, in my personal opinion, much better than 2008 because it's not a structural issue, right? It's not the capital markets aren't crashing. Banks aren't going under. 
And I know somebody's like, well, not yet. And that's true. It could. It could escalate to that point um, because fear does those kind of things. It, it, it's very different, and it'll be interesting to see when the fear stops. But I'm not actually terribly worried about the performance of my facilities. Um, it'll obviously create a slowdown, and the duration of the fear and the sell-off will depend but I took basically all my money out of the stock market a month ago. So it had just reached levels that were too high. And so I pulled everything out and uh, I had no idea if it was going to drop. Don't, don't think that I'm like amazing or anything else like that. Your timing markets. Uh, like, I'm timing. I knew, <laughs> I knew it was, you know, I made, I made that profit. I, I, I totally knew, but it was, I was actually just doing some stuff with a um, building our house and everything. And so we were, moving a, a bunch of money around and so I took some out I thought I'm going to take it all out and so I just liquidated and thought I'll wait till it drop now I'm not even putting it in yeah. uh, so <laughs> you know when you look at this and how it affects different asset classes um, and what you should be worried about and what you should be thinking about uh, that's obviously different from every person because the industries that are going to be affected by this airlines hotels um, retail um, I can only imagine is just it, there it's like you're beating a dead horse, right? Retail was already dead. And now the coronavirus <laughs> is just going to go over and beat it. <laughs> like, Yeah, that's terrible. It's, it's, it's unfortunate, but it, it's the truth. Because people will quit congregating. So we don't know how bad it'll get or anything else like that. But uh, since markets are crashing, we thought we should, uh, we should address it. Now, two, we need to address the flipping low interest rates. I mean, we're looking at refinancing our portfolio. And so we may, uh, not may, we are. I'm talking to our, our broker currently about doing a complete refinance of our portfolio. Half a point plus in savings. Wow. Over, you know, 10 year period of time. That stuff really adds up. Yeah, Can you that, expand a little bit on that for everybody listening and, and why that's important? Absolutely. When people say you're getting free money, this is a great way to start. And this is how we view it. So... Targeted inflation for the government is, I think they're at, what's their target, 2.83%. Well, right now, interest rates are dropping below that. There's a lot of people are saying they're probably going to go negative. And if you think, oh, that's not going to happen, well, you have to realize that the 10-year dropped a point three or four, the lowest in history ever for the United States. There is a chance that it will go negative. Um, Europe's already there. Um, so the point of free money, though, is if you are under inflation, so every year inflation destroys the value of your money. So if inflation's 3%, every year three uh, a dollar is worth 3% less. So if I can borrow a dollar at 2.5, it's 50 basis points under what money is losing. I'm getting it cheaper than the person that's giving it to me loses the money, right? So that's why it's free. Because in order to give me interest rate at two and a half, theoretically, they're losing a half a point, right? Now, obviously, they're leveraging it, using it for other means and stuff. But it's better than having me have cash sitting in the bank. Now, when we look at interest rates, too, they need to come down and we're refinancing due to fear of asset performance which is a big one. And slow down, people say 
you know, storage is recession-proof. Well, I don't know if people have seen in many of the markets, but there's new storage facilities all over the place that are trying to fill up. When you're in a recession, it's really hard to convince somebody to pay $100 for your 10 by 10. And so when you have stabilized occupancy, it storage, and uh, I don't know if you guys follow me on Instagram, um, AJ Osborne, but I, I was showing the Wall Street Journal, and the Wall Street Journal was saying how investors are flocking to self-storage. So let's explain this. Investors are flocking to self-storage because the, the revenues are fixed on a month-to-month payment and don't require activity by people coming in like retail and gathering together. So it's not like I, I need to make, like they're on the hook month to month. I don't need them to come in every single day to buy goods. And then if people get scared, they're not leaving their houses, they're not buying goods. So theoretically, I, uh, my cash flows are stabilized. It doesn't mean they can't go down. And this is what happens when you have slow times. You, you, your attrition rate never gets filled up, right? So you're losing people out of normal attrition, but it's not filling up because people aren't, it's slowing down. They're not spending money. They're not going out. And that erodes away your revenues and can very quickly. Especially in areas like um, not in the Sun Belt where we have swing because of seasonality of storage, which is a real thing. You go into the fall months, you drop in occupancy and you're giving discounts and then you come into the spring and everybody's affected by coronavirus and nobody wants to come in. And then not only to add on to that, you now have facilities that are sitting open everywhere, which I've always said the real killer of self-storage is self-storage. And and I truly believe they start dropping rates dramatically because they have to fill up to start covering and paying bills. And yet there's there's less people in the market and it, it, and it escalates, right? Yeah, that's a bad place to be. Bad place a, to be. Especially in the new facility, all these new facilities up. Yeah. Now, people are like, oh, so should I be buying or not buying? How many projects are we currently looking at at this moment? Oh, eight maybe? Yeah. I think we yeah. have eight. And out of the eight, five of them are developments. I mean, um, we are moving forward. Um, I would worry in certain areas, you know, areas that come to mind for me, Orlando, I would not be wanting to buy something in Orlando. A huge, huge part of Orlando's economy is based on tourism and people getting together. Well, if you have coronavirus in your city, I don't want to go run around Disneyland or Disney World, right? Get on the rides and touch the bars and everything else that everybody else has been touching. And, and it's not that I'm just saying this, and it's not my personal preference. Uh, you've seen had a 70-plus percent drop in the airline tickets. Yeah, exactly. So people yeah. are not flying anymore. Why? They don't want to be stuck in a box with people breathing air um, and that's getting recycled. So things like that that are heavily dependent on those areas, those are areas that, no, I, I do. I, I'd readjust. If, if we had a facility that we were looking at in an area that was dominated by airline jobs, that was dominated by tourism, that was dominated by those things, I would probably not be doing those right now. I'd be putting a hold. It's not that I wouldn't do it in a month. It may completely be over and change. That's why, too, I'm, we're not holding back. We're looking at the development projects that we have, and we're going to move forward. Um, I don't think it's, this is a long-term thing. 
Um, I believe that once we stabilize, China's already turning back. And so it, we could stabilize and turn back in the next couple of months. So I, I'm not dramatically adjusting our path our way. I'm, in fact, if anything, I think, you never know, maybe a good deal will pop up because somebody gets scared. Right. Uh, which right. snatch up. It very well happen. Yeah. Well, and that just plays into the fact that, it, you know, during uncertainty, that, that's a great time to move forward and to buy and to continue that, you know, dollar cost averaging strategy over time and investing, you know, whatever it is that you're investing in. Do you're getting at such low interest rates, locking them in. And one of the things that I do worry about in the future is the governments react because of the fear on the market. They start stimulus. They start with lower rates. They start pumping money into the economy, and then it's over quickly. And all of a sudden, the economy is flush with capital, and you just see a spike in economic activity, which is good, but you would see a spike in inflation because now there's so much money out there, and it's so cheap, and the government was covering bills and all sorts of stuff that they're doing right now. Real estate's a fantastic hedge to that. Um, now, I I could be totally wrong, and we could be in five months here. We could be in a depression. That's totally possible. I I, I mean, obviously, that's anything's possible. Um, yeah, I don't think that it is. I'm still moving forward, and if it happens, I'll stop. But you have to pause when, in just three weeks, the entire idea of where the world will be at in six months has changed. None of us are thinking the same about the next six months as we just did three weeks ago. That is jarring to the system. And that's why stocks have to reflect a new reality. And the reality that they're reflecting is lower. It is the growth models that were based upon the pricing of stocks that everybody was using now has to readjust. And the readjustment comes in at prices much lower because stocks use leverage like real estate and from the standpoint, when I say leverage, I don't mean debt leverage. I mean that stocks trade at a certain times ratio because of thought of projected growth. So if you have 20 times earnings because you think it's going to grow that fast and now it's slowing down, 25 times earnings may become 18 times earnings. The gap between that and the pricing of that, that equity is very large. So anyways, right. We didn't even plan on talking about this today. No, we didn't. But it's 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 something that I I think is needs to be talked about, man, for sure. I mean, this is current stuff going on. I mean, somebody could be listening to this like years later on, but uh, no, it's it's very important at the time right now. And this stuff happens, you know. I mean, we we are going to have corrections. We are going to have these unexpected events occur, and it's a it's a perfect case study. It is, and. When we look at the pros and cons to self-storage, um, that's really what you're looking at, the st- how stable are those cash flows in the future. I guess to say even more our idea of the future and how we're feeling, we are moving forward with rate increases. So we are giving, like we, we, we have, syst- like our rate increases are um, programmed in, so to speak, um, we, we Every single person gets a rate increase within six to nine months. The rate increase that they get is determined by a lot of different factors, which we'll save for another day because that's a, its own topic. Um, but we haven't adjusted those. So that may change in the coming month, um, depending on how things escalate. But as of now, it hasn't for us. We, we're still moving forward as is. That's in our markets. Everybody's markets individualized. You know, you, you got to look at what you get. I can I, I can imagine in areas 
like places like Orlando or something that have a lot of new facilities and now travels just ended um, and people are worried about their jobs because they work in the entertainment or housing or whatever that may be. That's going to change. Your, your reality of the self-storage will be much, much different. Um, you will have a flood of inventory and no demand, right? Self-storage is simply supply and demand. And uh, so with that said, um, we can probably move on to another topic. And I'm sure as time plays out, this, we're going to be talking about this again. Coronavirus isn't going anywhere. It's not only here to stay, it's going to get worse because that's what viruses do. They spread, right? And once again, I think that's a reality that we need to all accept is that coronavirus is going to spread. It's what happens. It's, you know, the flu spreads, right? Coronavirus acts like the flu. Um, and I don't, and I think this idea too that we can stop it is, is that's, you, we got to get rid of this idea that the government is going to stop it. I think that actually hurts us. I, I love what England said. They're like, listen, guys, wash your hands and carry on. Let's do what we need to do, just like we have the flu, things like that. It's here. Wash your hands. Let's take care of ourselves. Take care of the elderly people, right? They're the most high risk, but let, let's just keep moving on with life. Right. That's the approach I take, and that's how we're taking it, and we hope other people will. And if people do that and do that quickly and don't worry about, the world all ending and dying, um, things will stabilize and return to fairly normal. But we'll see. So when you are faced with these things, we hope that you're prepared. And one of the ways that you prepare your self-storage facility is by having good operations and have a very good understanding of where that facility's going, right? And how you got there. It, it's Self-storage is one of those assets that being just a little more in control of the not gives you way more uh, upside and understanding your revenue, where you're maximizing, where you're not, um, instead of doing just all overall rate increases, like all 10 by 10s get this number, right? That's not how you do it. You need to actively manage your revenue. Um, and employees is one that self-storage that people get wrong and they get wrong a lot. And let me explain how they get self-storage wrong or self-storage people get employees wrong. Um, one of the, the best ways that we can add value is to have a well-trained manager that operates on proven systems. The system uh, we purchase from a lot of people is I hired a manager to run it and I walk away. Right, because it's, again, kind of like you're saying, I mean, you need to be actively involved in the management of these assets, whereas a lot of the interpretation is, you know, you do exactly that. You just buy it and walk away, and it's this massive cash cow that just produces all this revenue, and that's just not the, the case. The manager just takes orders, or when she'll just come, and somebody wants in, she lets in, and it cash flows like crazy. Now, if you buy them cheap enough, and you buy low debt, and there's never any problems, yeah, but that's how it is with anything. If you're really trying to have a business and operate efficiently and make real money, get real returns and protect yourself from downside. No, self-storage. That's not how it works. Um, we, we purchase properties that the owners of the property are like, I don't know. Like, well, you're asking questions to buy the property and the owners of the property are like, you're going to have to talk to the manager. And I'm like, right. But you're going to have to talk to the <laughs> manager? Or the other way around where you're talking to the manager about the owner or something. And they're like, oh, I've never even met the owner. Yes. And you're like, what? What? You don't <laughs> what even you know who about? these people are? Like, right. It's, 
Um, it, you don't have a brand. You're just, you know, you gave them the keys and walked away. And listen, yeah, sometimes people do okay, but they never do amazing. I've never seen hands-off owners where a facility is doing amazing. I've never seen it. The manager has no incentives to bust her butt or to know how. They're not operating a business. They're an employee. They got hired to be there. And they're doing their job, and they'll do it good, right? They keep things clean. They make it look nice. They're there, and people like them. But that's sometimes. Not, sometimes. Yeah. Other, lots of times, the ones we buy, it's the exact opposite. But we'll buy these facilities, and you'll have managers that had units where they're renting out under the table. This is probably one of the biggest I just thought of that. items yeah. that we see. When we started talking about this. And our most recent acquisition, how many units we ended up finding that were... Yep, that one, Hayden, Fruitland. There's a bunch of them that were like that um, before. Not Fruitland, um, the other one. Um, in fact, jeez, I got to say most of them. I mean, it, honestly... Seven out of ten are probably doing something of the sort. We have other ones that are taking the admin fee. And they have all these weird things that they do, and they lots of times they don't think it's even bad. They're like, no, this is like my bonus. Um, <laughs> it's part of the deal, man. It's part of the deal. And yeah. uh, so you, they're rent, you find customers, you come in, and they're like, yeah, I'm renting out uh, you know, number 25. And you're like, I'm looking on the system, and... Um, no, you're not on here. And they're like, oh, well, yeah, but I just, I would give Mary the 25 bucks every month in cash. Oh, that I makes see. sense. That makes sense. Because the system shows that 25 is vacant. And then you get lots of delinquencies because the manager does not like to call for delinquencies because they don't like to call and bug people and ask them for money. So usually, hands off, not usually, almost always, managers that are left alone and they don't have control stuff delinquencies are huge i mean well over 10 percent um because if people pay or not they're not they don't have the incentive to go get the money they don't so there's all these problems that you have these problems add up enormously you have a 10 percent um delinquency um you have a high vacancy because they're not there's no customer service um even if they're not taking anything under the table they're not maximizing revenue. Here's the price. Do you want it or not? Um, they Managers hate, absolutely hate, all of them hate rate increases. And it makes sense because somebody's going to call up and yell at them. I sympathize with it. I understand. I've been on those calls. I've seen it happen. And, you know, it, it's we talk about, we had, a, we had a facility that we upped the average rate 67%. Upon acquisition. Upon acquisition. Yeah. And the manager, I went and I sat down with her and I, and I pulled her to the side and I'm like, I'm not going to church this up. Your life's about to become a living hell. Yeah. And it's going to be for a while. And I'm like, I want you to know that I'm here. I apologize because I'm doing this to you. I know how this is going to be, but stick with us. And she did. So we hired her up, and she now works in the corporate office. She pulled through. And not only that, but she defended us when we did. Some managers will talk trash about the owners, right? Because the owners are the scapegoat. I have no tolerance for that at all. I'm like, you're either on our team or you're not. And uh, she was totally on our team. Um, and then when we came and changed her world, we're like, you know, because it was completely hands-off. Nobody did anything at that facility. And she sat there. Her seat was on a piece of plywood. 
and it was cold. I don't even think I don't even think they had heating in there. And she just sat there and did all day. And we came in and said, "Okay, we're changing everything. We're going to give everyone rent increases. You got to charge an admin fee. They've got to sign this contract. Everything has to be filled. It has to be checked. You need to get on base camp. And we, you know, we have a system that you need to follow to success. And she jumped on. She did it. And she excelled in it. And then when she came, she told the customers, no, this is good. Right? Did and you explain to her, sorry to jump in. No, did you no, no. Did you explain to her what the value was in making those yes. decisions? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's super important so that they can then convey that to the the end user, the consumer, or the tenant, essentially. So I just I just wanted to make sure that I mean I don't know how you approached that or what you that I you mean, touched when on when you initially sat with her and explained it out or what yeah I talked to her and I'm like listen we want to make this a better asset we need to hit performance numbers we got to make it work you know everything like that and she was like I get it and I'm on board and she had this guy and he was in there yelling like these people are scumbags and everything like that and she's like these people have to pay their taxes these people have to do this everything else like that and she was like she told me you stop right now or you can just leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, the guy's like, sorry. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, well, she was, I mean, a rock star. It was awesome. Um, and so she now comes and she works with all our managers across four states um, and they all report up to her. And nobody can tell her, you don't get it. When somebody calls up to get a rate increase, she's like, I gave somebody a 187% rate increase. Trust me, no, you don't get it because I did it at 600 employee or 600 units all at the same time. Um, so you managers either when we acquire them, they're either rock stars or they're horrible. We've never found and maybe, maybe it's just our, we've never found in between the two managers that were rock stars. We kept on the rest of them. We, we had to get new ones because a lot of the reasons the facility was performing poorly was because there were so many bad habits ingrained. And then when we came in, we had a certain standard and we became the bad guys for having a ha- higher standard. Which we're like, well, if that's how you live, then we, we, this isn't going to work. Well, right? there's, there's an incredible important aspect that comes to mind, too, as we're talking about this, about front-loading that, that uh, uh, tenants being upset. You know, front-loading those problem children and dealing with them and getting them either squared away or out of the facility. Because, again, like we've talked about a lot of times, if you do have just those price-only consumers in your facility, get them out. Get those people in there that want convenience and quality, quality. Good service. Yeah, um, that uh, actually care about the amenities that you need to provide. Um, it's a really, really big deal, and the managers need to be on board with that. They need to understand you're there to make something bigger. You're there to make something better, and you're creating an organization, and you have a look and a style and a feel. I mean, we had managers that would literally tell us. You don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, oh, I mean, I kind of have some idea. And they're just like, you're going to destroy this facility. She, manager said this, hey, she left. And she was like, you know, you will destroy this facility. And she's like, these people love me. It's the only reason it's successful. And I was like, well, we're going to do very well if that's the case. And, uh, you know, it's true. And you get a lot of people like that. And I don't know why self-storage can attract a lot of those types of people. And I think the main reason is they have low expectations of what they're supposed to do. I'm going to go sit here. If anybody comes in, I give them a lock and they get a unit. The rest of the time, they're not doing anything. We don't operate like that. 
We don't allow people to sit around and not do anything because there's so much to do to try to serve those customers. And you need to make sure that your managers are on board with the vision and that they are representing you to your customers in a way that shares that vision and also gives off that perceived value of who your company is and what you're trying to accomplish. Customers feel that. They know that and they understand that through the manager. And if they can't convey it, you lose that customer. And I strongly believe that. No, 100%. 100%, man. Totally agree. So I think there's a lot more we could talk about, but because we went off on the coronavirus and everything else, we may have to leave this another day. But I want to touch on two things here before we end just real quick. Uh, So we do believe that you probably need to be more careful now than other times in your acquisitions. I don't think you should stop. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, we are not only stop, not stopping, we are, we've hit the gas and we're, we're going full steam ahead. Um, So with that said, uh, look for opportunities in the market and uh, look for good people to buy. And when you're looking at the opportunities and facilities um, that you think that there can be value, look at the management that's in place, both off-site and on-site, and how they're running things and how they interact with the customers. And that's where a huge part of the upside comes from. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So true. And get those employees squared away. That's right. <laughs> get them on board. Exactly. Well, awesome, man. All, all tons of good information. Everybody make sure and uh, leave, us a, leave us a review. You know, yes. if you like what we're doing, Jump on, leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, reach out to us. Let us know what your questions are. If you have any questions about this, you know, market uncertainty or, you know, potential acquisitions you're looking at or any of that stuff, shoot us an email, get at us on social media, whatever you guys want to do. A lot and, of people, uh, connect. too, when you guys call, because we talk to a ton of you guys and we love it. It's, it, it helps us create content, move forward because you're telling us. And we do. We When we hear what's going on, we hear what people are talking stuff, that's where these these podcasts come up. So if you reach out to us, start asking questions. Um, we are more than happy to discuss it here on the podcast and to, or call you and have a conversation, reach out. We're happy to do so. Thanks everybody. Catch you next time.